Hi, I'm Dr. Ellen Hendrickson, and you're listening to Episode 7 of The Savvy Psychologist. I'll help you meet life's challenges with evidence-based research, a sympathetic ear, and zero judgment. We'll use the best of psychology to help you be happy, relaxed, and most importantly, yourself. During last week's podcast, we talked about six habits and mindsets to coax creativity from all corners of your brain. This week, we have eight strategies you can use to karate chop a creative block. The idea for these podcasts comes from listener Ty C. of New York City. Now, if your muse is on strike, what can you do to get it back on the job? Here are eight tips to bring to the negotiating table. Number one, check your mood. It turns out the classic image of the moody, tortured, creative artist isn't quite right. Researchers at the University of Amsterdam looked at 25 years of studies on creativity and emotion and found that creativity is maximized when you're in a good mood, not the throes of melancholic angst. In the study, feeling positive and happy was associated with greater creativity than feeling neutral. Feeling sad, notably, didn't seem to do anything, and feeling anxious went with impaired creativity. So if you're feeling lousy, it's still important to work on your project. But a quick mood booster, like some jumping jacks in your office, looking at pictures of your favorite vacation, or cuddling with your dog for a few minutes, might be a good warm-up activity. Number two, try open monitoring meditation. A 2012 study compared the effect of two types of meditation on the creative process. In the first type, focused attention meditation, the meditator focuses exclusively on one thing, like a candle, her breath, or a mantra. All other distractions, like aches or pains, background noise, or thoughts about what to have for lunch, are to be filtered out and attention gently returned to the chosen target. In the second type, open monitoring meditation, the meditator notices and observes any occurring thought, sensation, or emotion without judgment. In the study, the participants meditated for 35 minutes and then took some tests that measured, among other things, creativity. Open monitoring meditation, the kind where you notice all sensations and thoughts without judgment, was considerably better at promoting creative thinking than focused attention meditation. So open your attention and your mind may open creatively too. However, it's worth noting that each participant was an experienced meditator with an average of over two years of experience. So certainly try meditation in the moment, but also make it an ongoing practice. Number three, create some constraints. A cursor blinking on an otherwise blank computer screen, an empty white canvas, or insert your own paralyzing beginning here, often makes your mind feel the same way. When possibilities are endless, the block seems endless too. But limits, counterintuitively, can be freeing. So give yourself some constraints, much like you'd see in a school assignment. So rather than a goal to paint, try instituting some limitations, such as paint my happiest memory using three types of media. There. Rather than letting your imagination run endlessly until it drops in exhaustion, you just created some nice, neat boundaries in which it can play. Number four, separate gathering from creating. Information gathering is a distinct step from the act of creation. Indeed, for anyone who's ever tried to fact-check on the web while simultaneously writing a story, you know that the story always ends with you getting sucked into Tumblr. At the very least, you'll probably get frustrated from switching back and forth between two mindsets. So first, gather your eggs, 
Then make your omelet. Number five, sleep on it and smell on it. We touched on sleep and creativity in last week's podcast, but this is such a fertile field of research that we'll revisit it from another perspective. A 2012 study in the Journal of Sleep Research experimented with covertly compelling the mind to work on a task during sleep. In the study, each participant was presented with a problem that required a creative solution, specifically how to motivate people to volunteer. For some of the participants, an orange vanilla scent filled the air while they learned about the problem, while others weren't exposed to any scent at all. Of those exposed to the scent, half were then given a diffuser with the same orange vanilla scent to put next to their beds while they slept that night, while the other half got a completely different scent. The next morning, those who had smelled the orange vanilla scent during both the problem presentation and while sleeping generated more creative answers to the problem. That is, their answers were more useful and more novel than from those who had smelled the other scent while sleeping or no scent at all. Now, one study doesn't make this technique a surefire bet, but if the next time you hit a creative block, you put matching diffusers in your creative workspace and next to your bed, no one will judge you. Number six, relive your glory days. When you're stuck, try revisiting your own greatest hits. Look at the best painting you've ever painted. Read that award-winning story you wrote. Read your paper from that top scientific journal. Looking at your own bests can give you both a boost of confidence and a running start. Number seven, put it away. Work on something else. Last week, we talked about incubation. How, after tackling your problem initially, doing something unrelated can help boost creativity. It turns out this is true not only big picture, but in the moment. In the midst of a creative block, rather than banging your head against the wall, direct your energy towards something else for a while. A creative and productive scientist colleague of mine recommends having three projects going at once. Something just starting, something in the middle, and something wrapping up. Find the mix that works for you, and you can usually find one project on which you can make creative progress. Number eight, dance. Exercise, it seems, is the miracle bomb for just about everything. Depression, anxiety, all sorts of medical issues, and of course, fitting into those skinny jeans. However, fighting creative blocks may be one of the few exceptions. A 2013 Dutch study found that 12 minutes of moderate to intense exercise, specifically riding a stationary bike, had little to no effect on creativity, and in some cases even impeded it. However, they noted that participants who exercised regularly weren't negatively influenced as much, and for some tasks, the exercise actually improved their performance a bit. Why? It's possible that for people who are already physically fit, exercise is automatic and doesn't take much attention, therefore providing the chance to unconsciously chew on their creative problem. By contrast, for people who aren't regular exercisers, Having to be active is challenging and takes conscious effort, thus sapping their resources and reducing creative performance. But couch potatoes need not despair. A brand new study in the Journal of Positive Psychology found that dancing for just five minutes enhanced both mood and creativity. Dancing behind a closed door takes zero skill and effort. No one will see you if you dance off the beat or look like a lunatic. So your brain is free to work on your block. So if a run around the neighborhood makes you feel like Bigfoot stomping on ants, don't despair. A one-song dance party with no one watching may unlock your creative block. Thanks for listening. And thanks for your thoughtful comments about part one of my guest podcast last week on Grammar Girl, How Literature Changes Your Brain for the Better. If you can't get enough, 
Part two is now available where we look at your brain on fiction. Check it out on the always fabulous Grammar Girl podcast or find a link on the Savvy Psychologist Facebook page or on Google+. That's all for this week. A transcript of the podcast and references for the studies I mentioned are always available on quickanddirtytips.com. A final note, remember that the Savvy Psychologist is strictly for informational purposes and does not substitute for psychiatric care or psychotherapy by a licensed professional. So always seek a licensed physician or psychologist for all mental health-related treatment and questions. As always, any patient names have been changed and details altered to protect privacy. Thanks for listening and see you next week for a happier, healthier mind. Are you tired of the constant battle with anxiety and panic? I've got a podcast that I think you'll love. It's called the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, where the host, Gina, gives you your weekly dose of tranquility and inspiration. Two new episodes drop weekly, packed with practical tips and lifestyle changes to help you calm that racing heart and bring peace back into your life. So if you're ready to bid farewell to sleepless nights and constant worry, tune into the Anxiety Coaches podcast and embark on a journey towards lasting calmness and a life free from anxiety's grip. Remember, it's not just a podcast, it's a lifeline. Join Gina on the Anxiety Coaches podcast and let her soothing words be the balm your nervous system needs. Listen in and start your path to healing today. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast.com because healing begins the first time you listen.